So let us now come to Psalm 95. So first read Psalm 95 and then from Hebrews. So hear the Lord speaking to us in Psalm 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are His also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness. When your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, There are people who go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Let us also read from Hebrews 3, where the author of the Hebrews takes us back to this psalm. So read from Hebrews 3, from verse 7 till chapter 4, verse 13. And there we read, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and saw my words for forty years, therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, but they have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another, another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, 
because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his work. And again in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fail by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but we, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Amen. In our day, today, as we live in Christians in this world, there's a large amount of discussion as how we are to worship God. In what way do we worship God? In what form do we do that? What is appropriate as we come together to worship the Lord? And again, this psalm, it focuses our minds and our attention as how we are to come and to worship our triune God. We see in this psalm, later with more and more detail, that we are called to adore the God, the one who created us, the one who created heavens and earth. But also we are called to obey this God. Now this psalm, if we look at the more background to the psalm, it doesn't directly tell us in the book of Psalms, who the author is of this psalm. But as we read through Hebrew, that's now, it says in verse, um, chapter 4, verse 7, today saying through David so long afterwards. So the author of the Hebrews contributes this psalm to be um, sung by David. However, it's more important for us maybe to look a few verses back in chapter 3 as we started. There we read, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and then it quoted from that psalm. So though it's David speaking to us in humanly form, it is God speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. So as we listen to these words, we should hear them as God speaking to us. It is God's own words. He is speaking to us. 
We know that Jesus is our shepherd. We are his sheep. And the sheep listens to the voice of the shepherd. So today, as we come together, let us l- listen to the, Lord, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as he speaks to us. But as we saw last week when Neil Martin was preaching for us, these psalms, they are not a random number of psalms in the book of Psalms. There is a structure in the book of the Psalms. And this Psalm 90 or 95 is placed in the fourth book of the book of Psalms. There are five separate books. Last week we talked about the Psalms that are in the fifth book. This Psalm is in the fourth book within the Psalms. And it relates to God's kingship. God is the one who is king of the earth. And we see that in Psalm 97 and in 96, where it speaks about the Lord reigns. But also, it relates to other Psalms, Psalm 90, 105 and 106, where it speaks about God's people being in the wilderness. We are on a journey. And very appropriately for us when we read in 2 Corinthians 5, our home is not on this earth. We are making a journey. We have a home that we look forward to. A much more glorious home than we have on earth. So we are on a journey. Christians are on a journey. We are in a wilderness. And also as we read in other Psalms in book 3 before book 4. We see that in that time several Psalms relate to the destruction of Jerusalem. Earthly kings we have been destroyed. We saw the loss of the temple. And within all those difficult times, then follow the Psalms of Book 4. We are encouraged that God is our King. And even though we are maybe in a difficult, challenging situation, and even if earthly kings may be destroyed, and we see that currently happening in Ukraine, we know that God is in control of all of that Our home is not on here. We are on a journey. We are pilgrims. We are heading for a better country. And that's why the psalm ends up with that rest that we are looking forward to. The reason why I read from Hebrews 3 and 4 is we can relearn a great deal of this psalm. Looking at what the author of the Hebrews says about this psalm. So again we focus on that a little later a bit more. Very important keyword we saw that in Psalm and in this and in Hebrews. The word today. Today the Lord speaks to us. He speaks to us through His words. So in this Psalm there are key, two key points to want to um, go into a little bit more detail with you this morning. First of all we are to praise God. As we come together we are to praise God because He is a great God. And secondly the Psalm teaches us that we should listen to him we should admonish each other as well not to harden our hearts so as we sing this psalm we sing this with a holy reverence to our God in a way we dread his justice because if we do not obey him he comes with his wrath but we know that he is our shepherd For those who are in Christ, we have a much better country which we are heading to. So, as a sermon title for this morning, 
I've chosen what is true worship. First of all, we're going to look at it is a call to adore Him, call to adore the triune God. And secondly, it is a call to listen to His voice. So first of all, what is true worship? It is a call to adore Him. And we do that both with joy and with awe, because it's a holy God. We see that in the first part of that psalm. It says, Come, O come, let us sing to the Lord. And again in verse 2, Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. So that gives us an invitation to praise God. We saw that in those two verses, but also in verse 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. So how are we to praise this God? We praise Him with a holy joy and a light. It's spiritual joy that is at the heart of a thankful praise to the Lord. And we see that in verse 1. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. So we come with a joy and with a delight. And we praise God with our voice. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. And we praise Him together in concert. Not in our own isolated area. But we come together and in concert we praise Him. Twice it mentioned, O come. Oh, come, come, let us sing to the Lord and let us come into His presence. Those two words are slightly different. The first one, come, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord, that is a word of, come on, let us go, come on. It's encourage others to come. So, encourage your fellow believers to come together. Let us come and let us sing together the, um, to our Lord. And then as we do so, we come with a joyful noise. Similar there, we saw an example in the Old Testament when the ark was brought into the camp of the Israelites. Together with one united voice, they cried out, praising God. So that's what we do on a Sunday morning as we gather for worship for Him. So, encourage your fellow believers to come together and to praise Him. So why? Why should we praise Him? What is the reason for us? He is our rock of our self, the rock of our salvation. He is the firm foundation of our hopes. But also if you look at the second word in verse 2, let us come into His presence. That word come is in terms of to meet together in a friendly way. So when we come together, we meet our Heavenly Father. In a way, we meet Him face to face. He is coming to us. He is in our midst. And it is through Christ that we have boldness to come before Him. We see that in Ephesians 2 verse 13, where Paul writes, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So through Christ we have that opportunity to come into His presence and to praise Him. So how are we should praise Him? We see that several times with thanksgiving, with a thankful spirit, we sing to Him and we praise Him. 
And we do that enthusiastically. We do that jubilantly, but in good melody. Again, we praise God in concert together. Now, some of you may be aware of what Paul writes in Ephesians 5, verse 19, which you may say, well, that's maybe contradicting what we read here. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. Now, that is not with our noise, with our voice, but also with our hearts. I think that means here that as we sing to Him, it's our hearts expressing. So what we sing, we express what is inward in our hearts. So we honor God with our lips and praise that wells from within us. So again, I ask you, if you come together, is that, if you're singing, is that something that wells up from in you, from within your hearts? When you read these words on this service sheet? Is it just reading those words? Or is it something that comes within your heart? If you have that joy and a desire to praise God. But as we come to Him with joyful praise, we also come with Him with a humble reverence. And then we briefly look at verses 6. It says, Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Indeed, as we come and enter before God's presence, we do so with a humble submission. We know that the Lord our God is a holy, almighty God. He is the one that created the heavens and the earth. So it's only right for us to bow down, to kneel before Him. He is the one who has made us. He is the Creator. We are but creatures. The word for worship that is Mentioned in verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. That worship is to prostrate. So we come before Him and we're kneeling down before Him because we realize we are but sinful creatures. So we come before Him with respect that is due to our God. And how often is that missing in our worship services today? We are come indeed jubilantly and we are joyful. But do we know that we come before a holy and an awesome God? We see examples in scriptures. Angels, heavenly creatures, they fall down on their face because they know when they are in the presence of God. Also, the apostle John, he fell down to worship the angel that guided him. But he was told to worship God. So we are here to worship God and we should do so humbly. Now I'm not advocating this, but many years ago churches will have maybe five minutes before the service starts a moment of silence so that we can prepare our hearts before we come to worship our God. We sometimes do that when we start our worship service, take a few moments of silence. Again, unfortunately, but this morning wasn't a good start, personally, for me. But let us take that to heart when we come to worship God. Let us take time before we actually come, before you hear the call to worship, to quieten your heart, realizing we come before a holy and an awesome God.
Again, I briefly mentioned that there are certainly reasons to praise God. He is the rock of our salvation. But also we see further in verses 3 and 5 why God is to be praised. We see in verse 3, and He is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are His also. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. So He is our great God. He has great power, and He has great possessions. So that gives us reason to come and praise this God. He is the great God, the great King. Certainly compared to all the kings we know on earth, all the great rulers, He has got much more greater power. Even though Putin may say He has great power, we know the Lord is much greater than any ruler on earth. And in, throughout Scripture, there is evidence of God's kingship. Although we may not always see that, it is in faith that we come trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Just one example where we do not always see that God is in control, but we know that He is. We read in 2 Kings 18, during time for Hezekiah, when um, Sennacherib was a king of uh, Syria. He is the one who claimed to be a great king. And Hezekiah didn't know or struggled to see that the Lord was in control. So we read a few verses from 2 Kings, first, uh, chapter 18. And uh, Grapsakam, a, a messenger from the king, from King Sennacherib, said to them, the Israelites, say to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, on what do you rest this trust of yours? Then the Rapsakai stood and called out in a loud voice in the language of Judah, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. How many people today claim to be the greatest? But then later on in that chapter, we read, And that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. So though the king of Assyria claimed to be the great king, that we should put all the, the trust on Israel to put in him, rather than trust God. But we see that God is in control and He came with His wrath. So this is, as I mentioned earlier, we believe that in faith. Sometimes we do not see that God is in control. But God's Word tells us that He is. So we come before Him in faith, trusting Him. We do not yet see that all things are subjected to Him. We believe that. And I ask, do you believe that? Do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is in control? Everything is in His hands. You are in His hands. He cares for you. If you are distraught and challenged by many things, I urge you, come to the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in Him. We also see that our God, our trying God, is the creator and ruler of the earth. We see that in His hands are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are His also. At that time, many pagans had gods for everything in their own lives. They had God for the rain, for the sun, for the good harvest. We don't have, in that sense, those idols and those gods today, but 
we put our trust maybe in many things, not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. However, we know that all these things, the rain, the sun, a good harvest, whatever happens to us, it all is in God's hand. He knows it all. He owns it all. Today, there may be several scientists who make great discoveries. And they are excited about discovering something that they think is new. However, all that they have discovered, God has made them. He knows all about those, even before we discover those. So again, we come before Him, knowing that He is our great God. We come before Him humbly as well, because He is our God. He is your God. So we saw He's our Creator. He is our Savior as well. And hence, we are His. He has chosen the people of Israel as His own special people. Our God has a special relationship with us. The same that He had with the people of Israel. God speak to the people of Israel and come to speak to you as my people. He is our maker. He is the God of the covenants. He said, we read in God's word, I will be their God and they shall be my people. As we read in Jeremiah 31. So in Christ we are God's special people. And God loves to come and meet with us. He meets with us specially on the Lord's Day as we come together to worship Him. So that should humble ourselves, knowing on a daily basis we sin before this Holy God. Yet He comes to us and says, You are mine. I am your shepherd. You are my sheep. And then a right response may only be, Why, O Lord, such love to me? To look at ourselves. What have we to bring? What have I to bring? But God's come with His love. And He says, you are my people. He is our shepherd. In the time of the Israelites, kings were seen as shepherds to protect their flock. Kings have many failures. Our Lord Jesus Christ, He is our great chief shepherd. There is no failure in Him. We come to Him and we hear His words. This great shepherd, He gave His life for the sheep. So this psalm calls us to praise Him because He is a great God. He is our God. And hence, we are to listen to Him. And that brings us to the second part. So we saw what is true worship. It's a call to adore Him, but also a call to listen to His voice. So that is the duty of us required as we come to hear. We do not just sit and let the words go over us. We hear His voice. So though we come together with our heads held high, because we come together joyfully singing His praise, we also come down with our head bowed down in reverent homage before this God, respectfully. And as we do so, our ears are alert to His voice. All that is part of our worship to God. So He speaks to us through His words as His word is being proclaimed to us. 
So we should listen to God with a believing ear and a submissive attitude. Again, clearly we see in the psalm that that is today for us as well. We saw in the psalm, it says, Today if you hear His voice. And again, the author of Hebrews, again, stresses that. Today, that is now. It wasn't just for the time of the Israelites or time of David. It is now for us. And again, remember, I saw earlier, it is the Holy Spirit that speaks to us through David. Now, throughout Scripture, not only in here, there are several of these today references where God is urging us to listen to Him. There are several opportunities that we can hear God's Word as He speaks to us. During those opportunities, I urge you to listen to Him. There are several opportunities for you if you do not know Christ yet. If you haven't given your heart to Him. If He speaks to you, listen to Him. Give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul also writes about that in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1 till 2. We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you. And in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. When you hear God's word speaking to you, do not delay in listening to him. Our God is gracious. He gives us plenty of time to come to him. And if you know people who do not know Christ, again, tell them that there is time. God comes today to us with his means of grace, with his voice. To Peter speaks about that in the third chapter. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any of you should perish, but that all should reach repentance. There is still time, if you do not know Christ, to come to Him. Our God is a patient God. But at the same time, is a God who is holy God who cannot stand sin before him and hence the psalm then comes with a warning and we first see the sin that they are warned against which is the hardness of their heart we read in the end of verse 7 today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as at Meribah as, the, as, a, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness so we see the sin that we are warned against here is hardness of heart not listening to him and we are given an example of the people of Israel. They heard His voice. They have seen the greatness of their God. Yet they did not listen to Him. The hardness of their heart was at the bottom of their distrust in God. They did not trust in Him. Rather they went back to Egypt. Rather than trusting in Christ. And we see that given a brief history lesson and you can read that in Exodus 17 where God gave them water from the rock both in Meribah and at Amasa there the people of Israel failed to trust God they showed their unbelief in him yet God did give them water now in Psalm 95 we hear the words of the places are named Meribah and Amasa in Hebrews 3, we don't hear those place names, 
but we have to therefore I was provoked with that generation sorry no, no, earlier in verse 7 and 8 today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness so there we see the word rebellion and testing the people of Israel provoked the Lord by not listening not trusting in him and that was the temptation for them in the wilderness that same temptation is for us today to rebel against God and not to trust him but to t- test him even though they had seen God's amazing works they have seen them going through the Red Sea to destroy the army of the Pharaoh they have seen God giving them manna giving them food to eat they have seen God's great works as we see in verse 9 they put me to the proof though they had seen my work these people have seen God's work yet they did not trust in him today we know we have seen God's work in God giving his son to us he's the one that died for our sins on the cross we have his words we can know this Lord Jesus Christ so I urge you not to rebel against the Lord not to harden your hearts the effect of hardening their hearts was that the people of Israel that generation were not able to enter the land of Canaan they had your opportunity it was the promised land for them yet they did not listen to Caleb they dismissed the minority report and hence God told them they shall not enter the land of Canaan not enter the promised land not enter the land of rest they made they hardened their hearts they made it dull and unresponsive to God but they did not enter the rest and that's a warning that is coming to us but what does that mean for us how should we respond to that? And again, that's what I want to touch on to Hebrews 3, where the author of the Hebrews brings that into our day today. If that rest was just for the Israelites, then David would not have spoken about a further rest. And the author of the Hebrews would not have mentioned that there still remains a rest for us. So what is this rest that we are looking forward to? It is our ultimate future. Our lives is not just here on earth. We have a better future that is to come for us. But only if we obey Him, if we hear His voice. And in that sense... The psalm maybe enters quite abrupt. They shall not enter my rest. Comes with that warning to us. However, as we read, they shall not enter my rest. It means that some will enter the rest. The people of Israel, they who did not believe, they did not enter. But the generation, the young ones, as we saw last Sunday morning, they did enter that rest. So that gives us great hope that many others will enter the arrest. And we see that 
If you look through scripture, eventually God did bring them into the land of Canaan. God did bring them into the land of promise. And that was for them a time of rest and safety. They enjoyed the inheritance that God has given to them, that God promised to them. But only if they listened to God and lived obediently. So we should hear that same word for us as well. We should trust God. He did bring them into the land of rest. So again, we believe in God. We hear His words. And therefore there will be a rest for us as well. This Canaan and the rest that the people of Israel had is an image coming of showing that ultimate rest that we will have. Canaan was not the end. It's only a picture. There is a higher rest for us when Christ returns. Now for us, we also have an image of that rest in our lives as we come together on a Sunday. As the Sunday is a day of rest, which we see in Hebrew, Hebrews 4 as well. So we read from verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Again, author here compares it to the Sabbath, this day of rest, gives us a picture of that ultimate Sabbath rest that will come. The Sunday over here is not our ultimate rest. It only gives a picture of what is to come. And when Christ returns, we will rest not just from our hard labor and from our work, but we will rest not having our sins in us, not having to deal with our sins. So though we can enjoy the Sunday now we can enjoy that and we can have a rest but it helps us to look forward to the ultimate rest that is coming to us so as we rest now and as we come together in God's presence we know that there is a much glorious future reality when Christ will return therefore we are urged to listen and to act today to hear his words. We are warned not to be rebellious and unbelieving and hence to forfeit our place in that ultimate rest. And finally, Jesus is our rest. He is our shepherd. We can come to him. Jesus mentioned in Matthew 11 verse 28, Come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is our rest. So I urge you, come to the Lord Jesus. Trust in Him. He will give you rest and peace. Amen. Let's pray together. Almighty and gracious, loving Father in heaven, Father, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that he is our shepherd. He is the one who made us. And we know that we are his people. So, Father, we pray that that will be in each of our minds and our hearts. That we will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we will come to him. Father, thank you for that ultimate rest that we will receive in him. Amen.